Welcome to the Real Deal Leadership Podcast, where we inspire you and those you lead to achieve success beyond anything you've ever imagined. I'm your host, Greg Corrali, and I want to thank you for joining me. Congratulations. You made it to the big time. Your first corporate job. There's nothing more exciting than joining a new company. I know I did it four times over 35 years. And for you grads, it's special since it's your introduction to the corporate world. Now look, whether you're an engineer, an accountant, a marketing associate, litigator, environmental expert, health and safety pro, finance major, technician or craft worker, you're now representing the company that you hired on with. And that's whether you're at a ball game, a family function, or a dinner party. You probably think of yourself as a small cog in the wheel as a new employee. That's not how others see it. Look, if you joined Apple as a new employee, what comes to mind is a company that has literally transformed the way we live with its continuous development of technologically advanced and innovative products. What may also come to mind are products manufactured with sweatshop labor in China. If you joined Amazon, most people envision a company that broke the business delivery model for consumer goods. Yet some may think of them as employing anti-competitive practices. And if you joined Facebook or any of the social media companies, it could be a mixed reaction as well. Certainly being known for innovative use of technology and tremendous growth, but dealing with major privacy issues. Look, bottom line, each of these companies has its issues and challenges to deal with, as well as tons of goodwill and positive contributions they are making to society and the communities they serve. And the same goes for the company you just joined. It's important to know the history, be informed, and to be an advocate. Now, having been in your shoes before, and having watched many others walk in yours over the last few decades, I want to simply offer my best advice to help you have a fabulous career. Now look, I've already written a blog on this topic that you can check out on greycorrali.com, and that provided, I would say, some broad strokes, including taking chances, communicating well, and enjoying the ride, all coupled with a bit of passion. Now, I want to go a bit deeper to help you on your journey. Look, before I get into these tips and lessons, let me acknowledge the real pain that is happening here. Many of you have received and accepted offers with businesses and corporations, and you'll be starting your career soon. And that's awesome. Congratulations. There are also many whom haven't received offers due to the current crisis and economic situation. And certainly equally as painful, there are some that received offers and had them rescinded. This situation isn't your fault, yet it won't be the first time you'll experience adversity in the corporate world. I'd ask those of you that are in these situations to stay tough, regroup, and get focused on finding the next opportunity. As the economy, it's starting to open back up again. It's hard, I know it and you probably feel let down, discouraged, maybe even angry. Although certain doors have been closed, there are others that are going to open that might even be better. Believe me, I've seen this happen 
often in my career. So whether you're starting your new role soon, you've started already, or are going to start sometime in the foreseeable future, the following are meant to provide some anchors in terms of skills and experience that you can acquire and develop. Many of these, they're also applicable to anyone who just joined a new company. All right, here we go. Lesson number one, get to know the company that just hired you. You need to think big here. You need to think bigger than just your role. Although, as I have said previously, and you'll hear me say again, doing your job and doing it well, that's critically important. Look, always put yourself in the customer's shoes or or the shareholder or the business partner and have an external-facing mindset. No doubt that as you were preparing for the interview, you in all likelihood, you learned a great deal about this new company that you just joined. And now that you're in, I'm asking you to take a bit more time to research and understand it in a bit more detail. So start with a couple of things here. First things first, start with your company's website. Review it in its entirety. Why? Because that's what customers look at. It's really the only glimpse they get of your company, even though most will believe that your company talks about itself in this venue in a much more positive light than what is real. Learn your company's values, its geographic reach and presence, to what extent it's involved with local communities, and everything else that your company advertises. Why? Because you will then be able to intelligently talk about various aspects of your company to almost anyone. In fact, people will most likely be impressed with your level of knowledge having just joined the company. Now look, I was fortunate when I first started out. As the company I joined, they had a six-month training program. It was called MTOP, Management Training and Orientation Program. It was awesome. In addition to being assigned a home base and an office to work out of, most of that first six months was spent with about 30 other teammates. They were new hires from various departments. We traveled around the company, got to see all of its facilities, meet employees, understand its reach and footprint, and we got educated in the business with the study guides and material that the company provided. Now, even though this was about 35 years ago, I will tell you I strongly recommend this kind of program to any large company today. It opened up my eyes to just how large the company was, the issues it was dealing with, the services it provided, and it established relationships that made it easier for me to contact those people in groups later in my tenure with the company. There's another document you should get a hold of and look at. That is your company's annual report. Now, look, most will be online these days, but as an employee, you should be able to obtain a nice, glossy covered version. Read it from cover to cover. It'll take a while. Commit to read a section every day or every week, and in a few months, you will know more about your company, its financial position, its current lawsuits, you name it, than most of your fellow employees. In fact, most of them won't read it. They'll be out the door at quitting time off to another adventure. It'll be boring to them, and it might even be to you. So what? Do you want to learn and stand out amongst the crowd or be like the rest of the lemmings 
Look, I once shared my company's annual earnings, referencing the company's annual report, at a morning meeting of the troops. Although I intended it to be educational and hoped it would instill some pride, you know, there was a critical comment from the crowd about sharing that wealth with all the employees. Now, this is a company, mind you, with labor unions and negotiated wages, etc. Yet there's always a victim in the crowd. And I never let it deter me, ever, and it shouldn't deter you either. In fact, most of the thousands of employees I worked with over the years, they were incredibly proud to be working in their profession and proud of the company they worked for. All right, let's move on. Lesson number two. Show pride in the company you work for. Why? Well, would you prefer to be Eeyore? Look, nobody likes a complainer or a negative Nelly. And by the way, you'll meet many of those at your new company. Those that have been there typically for years, not always, but those that have grown tired, weary, and they're a bit pessimistic for reasons too numerous to mention here. But that's one of the reasons they hired you. Wouldn't you rather be the optimistic one? The one who smiles as you walk down the hall and greet people? I mean, aren't you excited after having earned your degree? to be finally putting it to use at what you thought to be a noble and reputable company? Aren't you thrilled about joining this new company? I'm sure you are. I was always a company man. That's the way I like to look at it. I loved working for all the companies that employed me over the years. I literally wore their logo on my sleeve, inside of work and outside of work. And although I was a fixer and joined companies with lots of issues, I loved talking with people about what we were doing to fix things and to rectify things. So be proud of who you work for. And in order to do so, you need to understand the basics of what they do. Referencing lesson one here. What is your company's product or service? Who are their customers, their shareholders? And what role do you play in delivering that product or service? Is your company very profitable? Does it have a good history or a somewhat sordid one? Either way, you should know it, advocate for it, and be able to defend it. Through your research, I guarantee you're going to find all sorts of positive contributions your company's making to business, the environment, and to local communities. Lesson three, be prepared for what they didn't tell you. Look, on the interview, they never tell you the whole story, and they always make it sound rosier than it actually is, even though you've done your own research. I remember when I left my first company and I joined my second. My new next-door neighbor invited me and my son to a professional baseball game. I think it was during the seventh-inning stretch that the stadium, they held a bit of a fireworks show. And there up on the big screen was my company's name in bright lights. As the announcer proclamated with a big booming voice, fireworks sponsored by, insert my company's name. I was getting goosebumps and I was totally full of pride until I heard the din of booze that could have drowned out planes landing at O'Hare. My son and I looked at each other, mortified. And then I had to look at my neighbor, who just pleasantly shrugged as if, eh, no big deal. Now, I certainly did my homework before I joined the company, and I knew it had pretty significant problems. But what I couldn't, have possibly been aware of because I hadn't 
lived and breathed in the current environment for any length of time, was the recent history an indelible mark of customer dissatisfaction it entrenched within its customer base? OMG, what an uphill battle this was going to be. And it was. So look, know what you're walking into and expect it to be actually worse than they're telling you. Now, remember, this isn't always bad. In fact, for me, it was what attracted me to companies, problems. Remember, I was a fixer. You can be too. And I knew I could have an impact, or I certainly felt I could with the right kind of support from above and elsewhere. Now, companies with problems, they present all kinds of opportunities for positive change, results, growth, you name it. Now, companies with stellar reputations, they also provide great opportunities, as they're They're typically on the cutting edge of technology and innovation. Now, look, one of the best practices I've used for quite some time to ensure that I was prepared was to develop a plan to be utilized from the outset of any assignment. I mean, sounds simple enough, right? A plan. Well, you'd be surprised at how many people don't have a plan, never had one, and they don't plan on developing one. They don't anticipate and they end up in a reactionary mode rather than a proactive mode. And remember, I talked about how important it is to be proactive as a leader. So as someone who's new to the corporate world, you're probably wondering, I need a plan? You know, isn't my boss going to tell me what to do? Well, yes, in all likelihood, your new boss will lay out expectations for you. But it's still good to have a plan. And here's yours as a new employee. Develop some keen observations about your new workplace over the first couple months. Jot them down and be prepared to share them for when the boss asks, so you've been here three months now. What do you think? Look, always be ready. Keep it simple. Make a list of what you think works really well in terms of people, process, and technology, and always have a couple of improvement ideas to make things better. This lets your boss know and others that you're always thinking ahead of how to make things better. Lesson number four, Absorb knowledge and maximize learning opportunities. So here's my message. Be a sponge. That's what a couple of frontline supervisors shared with me early on in my career as an engineer. In fact, there will never be another opportunity for learning as there is when you're first starting out. And people in the organization, they get it. They understand that. They'll look to offer you training, developmental projects and assignments, try to get you involved with specific groups. And generally, they'll be much more apt to teach you something, especially if you have the right attitude, since, you know, they know you're new to the company and the industry. Now, this still makes sense if you're an experienced player, but new to the company, as every company's culture is different. And since company culture will literally eat you alive if you don't adapt, you're better off trying to understand it and operate within it while you're trying to change it. So depending on your role you may find yourself immediately responsible for people, either as an advisor or boss. You know, but craft workers, supervisors, and others, they'll give your position a certain amount of respect at the outset. But I'll tell you that you need to earn it for yourself through your character and contributions in order to keep it and grow it. You know, we hired a handful of military folks as frontline supervisors several years back. They were early in their careers, but they had some supervisory skills that they had developed in the services. So one such individual was in my organization and reported to one of my superintendents. 
After a few weeks, I started to hear some rumblings of negativity from the employees he supervised. You know, it was bubbling up through the organization. So I calibrated with the superintendent to ensure we were providing the right kind of guidance and support, but it really didn't get any better. So as a director at the time, I brought the supervisor into my office, you know, reaching down now a couple levels, and tried to understand what was going on and provide some coaching. I shared that even though he was in charge of people, you know, he was still new to the industry and that it would serve him well to have reverence for and and listen to our frontline workers as they know the business well and could teach him much. I'll never forget his response to me. It was, Mr. Corrali, I kowtowed to superiors in the military for years, and I'll be damned if I'm going to do that again. What a recipe for disaster. And I told him so. Nobody wanted to teach him a damn thing. Why not? Because he was a jerk. And everyone knew it. He was the boss, and he made sure to let his people know that every day. I fired him a few months later. Now, before that, in one last-ditch effort that modeled his victim-like nature, I'll never forget, he drove to the offices of the president of our business, demanded to see him, and actually got in to see him. And he pitched his case about how unfairly he had been treated. Our president listened, called me to his office to explain, which I did, and then met with the supervisor to inform him That his termination would stand. Now look, I could have just backed off and let this supervisor continue on, alienating the workforce. But that would affect the entire location. And maybe even the performance of the whole department. I could have avoided that conflict as these actions require some difficult conversations and certainly some leadership courage. But not on my watch. Remember, I'm a rebel leader and I'm going to do what's right even though I may be challenged and have to justify my actions. Bring it on as far as I'm concerned. I was that confident. And the president agreed. So what's the lesson here? Don't be like this guy. Don't be a jerk. Learn as much as you can from the experienced workforce. What else can you do if offered? Take on developmental assignments, challenging projects. Make a case to be assigned to the more difficult locations in departments of the company. They are tremendous learning opportunities. And as I look back on them now, they were some of the best assignments of my career. All right, a couple more. Lesson number five, develop your oratory and written communication skills. Have I mentioned this one before? Of course I have. This was the best career advice I was ever given. When my first manager introduced me to the company's speakers bureau, I jumped at the chance. Now, this was an internal group of speakers that spoke externally to business groups. We went out and we spoke to Kiwanis clubs, Lions clubs, Rotary clubs, and the like. Now, I was a 20-something-year-old out talking with experienced business people who were anywhere between 20 and 40 years my senior. I was discussing nuclear power, environmental issues, customer service, and many more. What the heck did I know? about any of those topics, other than what the company had taught me. You think I made mistakes? Of course I did. That's how I developed this skill, however, with practice and a few training classes as well along the way. Look, I said it before and I'll say it again. You cannot 
become an effective public speaker without practice, and lots of it. I've given hundreds, maybe thousands of speeches in my career, everything from small group staff meetings to being MC at a thousand-person company meeting, from informal speeches to my friends and families about my company to leadership presentations at conferences and industry events. If you want to be a good public speaker, there's no other way than to practice. Look, you got to be a good writer as well. Have I mentioned to you that one of my favorite movies is Three Days of the Condor? Yeah, at some point in the movie, if you know it, Robert Redford, you know, who's a CIA agent, he walks into his office and he realizes that the entire team he was working with has been slaughtered. Now, he, he knows he's at risk and that the CIA thugs are coming to erase his existence from the earth as well. So he disappears. And when those in charge question how he's been able to elude them thus far, the response from Cliff Robertson, a fabulous actor, was because he reads everything, implying that he knew quite literally the CIA's playbook. So what does this have to do with communication, you ask? Look, I read everything. I'm a voracious reader. For a few decades, I read the Wall Street Journal, Business Week, and every other business book out there. I learned how writers write. I also took an effective writing training course or two over the years. And as a line manager and operations executive, most of my career, I've had literally hundreds, if not thousands of opportunities to develop and hone the written word, whether it be emails, business cases, or strategic plans. So look, to sum it up, remember, when you become responsible for people, you're the chief communications officer for the organization that you have responsibility for. Don't let anyone tell you different. Your ass is on the line when it comes to accountability for results. So you get to take charge, communicate direction, and both ask and answer questions. You get to send out department-wide emails and newsletters, conduct conference calls and business meetings, and show up where employees work to thank them for a job well done. Don't ever miss an opportunity to say something to the group. Now, again, I know you're new in the role, but pretty soon you may find yourself in a leadership position leading others. And now you're responsible for people and you'll have all of these opportunities ready for you to take advantage of. I've been asked a hundred times when it wasn't part of the plan, if I wanted to say something to the group that I was out in front of or visiting, I always said yes. And you should always say yes. All right. Last one. Lesson number six. Be humble, respectful, courteous, and kind. This should be the easiest one, but it's not. Nobody likes a braggart or a jerk. So don't be one. Don't be self-absorbed. And if you think being arrogant is attractive, here's a newsflash. It's not. And once you get a reputation as an arrogant jerk, let me tell you, it's hard to shake it. People tend to put labels on others real quickly. And once you're labeled, regardless of what it is, you'll be fighting it your entire career. Don't be oblivious to the people and the world around you. Rather, be interested in others. Show appreciation. It's the little acts of common courtesy that seem to be forgotten at times today that go a long way towards earning respect and credibility. So do yourself a favor. Take the earbuds or AirPods out, 
Walk with a purpose. Smile. Hold the door open for a friend or colleague. And say thank you a lot. And don't confuse kindness with being weak. You can do both. As I've said before, you can be incredibly demanding and still show them the love. Okay, that's the list for now. But let me do a quick summary for you. Lesson one, get to know the company that just hired you. Lesson two, show pride in the company you work for. Lesson three, be prepared for what they didn't tell you. Lesson four, absorb knowledge and maximize learning opportunities. Lesson five, develop your oratory and written communication skills. And lesson six, be humble, respectful, courteous, and kind. All right, folks, I'll leave you with these for now. As a lifetime in corporate America, it provides dozens and dozens of lessons. But since you're brand spanking new, these are a great start. That's a wrap, folks, of this episode of The Real Deal. But don't go away just yet. Please subscribe to The Real Deal with Greg Corrali through the Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Google podcast directories, or at gregcorrali.com. And please tell others in your network to do the same in order to receive automatic notifications of new episodes. Feel free to provide a rating and leave a review. As we all know, feedback is a gift, and sometimes we simply can't see what others can. Also, please feel free to suggest relevant topics that you or a colleague are dealing with in the workplace. I'd love to address these either through my leadership blog or as a future podcast episode. So until next time, challenge everything, set the bar incredibly high, and execute relentlessly.